Welcome to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews, and convention panels. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, a sign to Ragnarok story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Since you mentioned that, I'm just going to go ahead with the shameless plug right away and say that um, we do have a group on Facebook if you're interested in following our cosplay journey. It's called the Asgardians. But it does have a bunch of different um, chat rooms, um, which include disability resources. So we, we post links to interesting articles, about history um anybody can post to that chat so if you find things that that you think are interesting for that feel free to share on there and we're more than happy to to uh, go about it in that way but we'll make sure that all of those resources that we talk about today are going to be posted there can i just add that say um they've done a very good job of fostering an amazing community online through the s guardians that of some of the most like nice uplifting people the disability resources is actually, if you do post in there, post like you're having a problem, you will get people there with resources to help you and to actually be right there with you saying, here, hey, I'm here for you, I got you. And like they're, and will help you through it. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing, amazing group of people and amazing community. So if you're thinking about it, please join it because it is such, it's worth it. Oh, I think I'm gonna have to I was literally just <laughs> <laughs> I said that. But it's, it's, keeps me from overheating. Um, It's true though, like our our goal, um, more than anything with doing these panels is to let people know, hey, we have a community that can be very supportive or very educational or both or whatever you need it to be at the time that you need it. Um, And we just want to encourage people to be creative and we want to be there for people in any way that we can. And uh, let me be clear for that chat room as well, that does not, it, it is not specifically just physical, it's also <coughs> mental. You, in the NeuroSpicy team, you in the ADHD, any other mental things, you're it, also 100% welcome. Yeah. We have a lot of, pretty much a very big variety. We have a, a huge variety, so. and, the, and the goal is to be all-inclusive, so it is It is for all disabilities, both visible and invisible, Yes. Um, because every single one of them is valid. Now, this is about specifically disabilities in the Victorian era. Yes. You've got the wonderful link to start. I hate you a little bit. I <laughs> So um, what we've noticed more than anything about the Victorian era specifically is leading up to the Victorian era, um, there wasn't a lot of room for people with disabilities. Um, different cultures handled it differently, and we can all safely say now in a world where we have technology and we have um, the ability to use our brains in, in, in a way that they couldn't in the past because they were just busy surviving, um, is that we can nurture everybody no matter the condition. 
Um, so in those ages past, there just wasn't room for that. They didn't generally survive. So there's not a lot of history leading up to the Victorian era about people with disabilities other than how they were handled. And unfortunately, we're going to be going more into the depressing facts, but uh, yes. specifically, and we did find this out recently, uh, Egypt specifically actually worshipped those with disabilities and they viewed them as a gift from God. So... That is, that is something that we're going to be starting to explore. We're, we're going to be doing a panel right. on disabilities in ancient Egypt yes. because the evidence shows that they believe those people were either touched by the gods or were sent by the gods. Something like and that. And they were revered. And they even had prosthetics back then. Um, well, they had prosthetics so for the Victorian era. They well. yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll get into that as well. Um, for, for the Victorian era specifically, what we noticed is that both positive and negative, there was a shift in the paradigm of how people saw, um, you know, those those of us with disabilities, uh, be both visible and invisible. Um, it, more than anything, it became, and this is, this is the unfortunate part, but it was a shift that started leading us in the right direction, um, if, if I may be so bold as to say so. But that shift was not, you know, tuck them away and let them be swept under the rug and, 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 you know, let nature take its course, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, I find a nice way to it say was, it. It was, it's, it was more of a... It was more so, be useful to society or die. She, she won't say it, I will. It, yeah, basically. Um, in the Victorian time, especially with the Industrial Revolution, it became a shift of... It became a shift from, you're not useful, you shouldn't stay in society, to, oh, look, you're ugly. I would like to pity you now. Um, and that shift was more of a, not even pity actually, as much as pay you, because uh, specifically in the Victorian era, there were a lot of circuses and freak shows back then. And if you had a disability, uh, you kind of went one way or you were poor and you weren't able to pay for things, or you went another way where you were being paid as a jester, you were in a freak show, you were being paid for how you looked and were different in society, which there's a lot of things that are fundamentally wrong with us but people are trying to make advantage the best they could. Yeah, it was it was less of a, if you're not useful to society, you go away now. And more of a, we can make a spectacle of this, or we can show people um, that we are good humans because we're putting them in an environment all by themselves. So it was plucking them from society in some cases and actually putting them in group homes that usually weren't easily gotten to or easily seen. Um, so it was it was the beautification of society, but it was also the, we're going to take care of you for your whole life. Um, that is the part that was the paradigm shift that started changing the course of how we saw disabilities. A big part of that too was war. Um, yes. and. Um. Specifically, uh, the turn of the Victorian era, era uh, it couldn't, disabilities weren't able to be swept aside because after uh, the first uh, world war, veterans were starting to come back and the governments and people that were in charge were kind of like, okay, these are the people that fought for us, we need to start making steps in order to make it to where they can at least function in society again. That sometimes didn't work out. A lot of the time. 
because uh, as much as you want, as much as, so if you've seen the Victorian era and the way, the artistic nature of the Victoria era, and it's very, very gorgeous and everything else, um, that doesn't need to be on prosthetics or surgical items when doing surgery, the reason why is because of bacteria. So the, during the Victorian era, when they were uh, forming prosthetics and doing surgeries, they had um, the tools that we, they were using was not susceptible and usable for, my words just bumped me, I'm so sorry. Uh, the, it, it wasn't useful and so infection grew and people died. There was there was no sterilization. There you go. Thank you. They were starting it. Yes. Interesting fact. But that was when they were starting to like do like solid lasers. Yeah. Um, it, there are there are um, surgical tools and doctors' tools from that era that have, if you look at them, they have this this gorgeous ornate etching on it. Completely gorgeous. Completely gorgeous. Completely oh, full of bacteria. Um, that that stuff. Even if they did rudimentary, you know, um, sterilization of those tools, um, bacteria was stuck in those etchings, um, and that in turn caused a lot of the exact same thing that infection would cause to amputation or deformation or or you know, in a lot of cases, death. Um, um, so there were social reformers um, that, that started popping up in the 19th century and they attempted to normalize people with disabilities through things like rehabilitation, um, education, and discrete new prosthetics, but it was less about adapting life around the person with a disability so they could live comfortably and more about as we've mentioned, how to take that disabled person and make them able-bodied enough to work. It was all about how to make you useful. And not to be modern, but that is still kind of a factor sometimes. Um, however, uh, going backwards and thinking about... Backwards. Backwards. Yes. Uh, thinking about uh, mental institutions and such. Um, a lot of people were thrown into mental institutions for uh, multiple reasons, from disabilities to race to uh, being prostitution to um, drinking, alcoholism, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it was viewed as pretty much anything that wasn't significant in society, you were thrown into a mental institution because it wasn't based off a uh, specific foundation of Christian values, I believe. At that time, that had that had a big to do with it. Their big their big. view on morality was based almost solely on uh, Christian moral values, and um, at the time, because technology and research hadn't quite caught up to industrial you know revolution levels, we had this disparity between the knowledge that we had and the machinery that could do it. Um, and that actually led to a lot of misconceptions research-wise. So things like prostitution and crime and alcoholism were seen as those were mental deficits. They weren't uh, a product of the, either the environment that you were in, like that was the only job you could do, therefore, 
um, or you know, a product of PTSD. Many soldiers turned to alcoholism because that was the only way that they could drown their pain. Opium dens and things like that. They're they're misknowledge of drugs, you know, um, substances versus how they were commonly used caused a lot of addiction. Addiction was also looked at as a mental deficiency is how they labeled a lot of that. And that led to being institutionalized. It was bad enough that they posted posters places to have reports and things like that. Um, Another thing that was very common is the fact that if you couldn't fix it, then you put it away. Uh, and I say this in the sense that there were colonies specifically for those that were disabled because they did not want to spread the disability. And this went from physical to mental, on and on. Um, unfortunately, that is not how it works, guys. Come on. But, uh, I don't have anything cheeky for that. I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, I, it's hard to be cheeky with this. This, this, is, this, is, this is definitely one of our less lighthearted panels. It's not, light, it's not that no, lighthearted no, now. But Every once in a while you're cheeky just because you're angry, so you're doing dark humor, but otherwise you're like, no. no. But the, it, those colonies, this and this is kind of alongside that paradigm shift that, that we mentioned in the beginning. Those places were staffed. They were, you know, they were fed, they had daily routines, they had activities to do, they did art every day, they could be outside all the time. They were well taken care of in terms of like their physical needs. No, they weren't actually staffed. No, that's mental institutions, they were staffed. Oh my bad. Uh, Colonies specifically were uh, designed to be watched. Uh, in England, specifically, it has a very good example of the fact that they would be watched to make sure that they did not have um, <coughs> get married, have sex, or have children with an able-bodied person. Yeah. Therefore, there would not be any more. I have words people. for that, but it's in the past. But and I'll just try to. <laughs> the most horrible thing about this is actually there are reports that some people that were in those colonies and were stuck in those civilizations actually reported that they preferred it because they were able to relate to somebody in that same area. I mean, we all kind of like try to relate to somebody in one way or another, but it doesn't make it okay. There should be options to, hey, we relate to something versus, hey, I want to go out and do something or marry a person. I really don't know which is more terrible. Knowing knowing how the colonies were quote unquote run um, to keep people away from living a full life, or the fact that the colonies were better because Families would usually keep that particular person indoors, in their room, sequestered from everyone else. Well, in those colonies, actually, they got to be just like everybody else. It's just they were specifically stuck in that society. They were not allowed to leave. Dubious. It was, yeah. Dubious. Dubious kindness, guys. Not good. Not the way. Not the way. Not the way. Um, and honestly, a good example of that specifically is uh, Helen Keller. Um, very famous. I hope, I really hope you guys know about her. <laughs> um, blind, deaf, very famous. Uh, wow, there went that. There went, there went again. Cool, that's going to be a fix. Oh, yeah. Upgrade. Yay. Okay, sorry. Wrong panel. Um, we specifically, uh, Helen Keller basically was blind, deaf, she formed the um, shoot, the first 
thing for the blind. Um, institution for the blind. Inst yeah. Institution for the blind deaf to get more rights for those who are blind and deaf. Um, and ended up actually um, when she was with her teacher. And there's a lot of stories about Helen Keller and her teacher. Unfortunately, there's a little bit of a dark side. There was the invention of um, specifically. Oh, yeah. they're called deaf gloves. Deaf gloves. Um, so that you can actually uh, feel what you are writing and have somebody uh, type it down. Write it down. She has the link here, and my I'm, words are getting a little. I'm, I apologize. I, I I will be I will be candid here. I am trying to find the link. I thought yes. I had it. My phone lied to me. Sure. Cool. Um, there was a glove for the desk. So these desk gloves <laughs> had for each section of the finger and for different portions of the palm was assigned a letter. No letter braille, no markings, but the person was expected to memorize what each portion of your hand represented, which letter it represented. So other people could point at different sections of your finger and spell the word. So it was all, it wasn't signing, it was literally spelling on their hand what the person wanted to communicate with them. There we go. Helen Keller specifically was not allowed to use this glove by her teacher. Her, her, her. The reason being, uh, she believed that Helen Keller needed to be protected from society and that her inner sense needed to be protected. She was not allowed to communicate with others. No, she wanted she wanted to keep Helen Keller's communication to, to herself only so herself. that she could filter all communications to Helen so that her innocence could not be um, ruined by by the world. And unfortunately, her. it kind of just shows, in a way, how society views disabilities. Um, I, I'm not gonna use the word innocence. It, it, it's more of like a kind of a pitying factor of, oh, you're different, therefore you should not be treated the same, or you need to have more sympathy, or et cetera, et cetera. And you're not treated as normally in society as you would. Now I'm having technical difficulties. Cool. I was, I was we gonna, like the technical difficulties, guys. This is our favorite. I was gonna find you that quote. I swear. Um, I will. I will have it up in the in the chat if you are interested. Apparently, somebody made a glove very very recently where they can sign and the glove will speak what they are signing. Cool. And that's all that's showing up on my search right now. I mean, it's cool, but that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> However, I will also link that because that's wicked awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> anywho, um, the, uh, yeah, um, Helen Keller's teacher specifically just wanted to keep her sequestered from the world as a form yes. of, of, of control. And as we all know, Helen Keller was a beast when it came to oh, yeah. human rights. We love it. Um, and she was so eloquent, you know, with her with her words and with her bravery and everything that she did. Oh, oh I see a hand, hello. Wasn't she also a notoriously eugenist and also believed in forced sterilization of certain populations? I will research that. 100% can research that. Yeah. Um, I would not. That's actually a really good point because yeah. uh, in the 1920s there were was for ster sterilization, sterilization on disabilities. Yes. So. Um, so. Uh, as well as those in different races yeah. and. Eugenics did have its founding point in in the Victorian the 1920s. Era. Yeah. It, it started in the Victorian era, but it really 
started in the next Oh, kind of did you mean the teacher ago. or Helen Keller herself? I think it's both. It might have been both. It might have been both. It's the, uh, this idea of eugenics becoming so popular in the Victorian yeah. era was because of the fact of them trying to hide away people with disabilities. So a lot of times it was ingrained in people who had them as well, but their caretakers would be preaching it. And yes, how, like, how, it's one of those ones that, it's kind of like a six of one and a half dozen of the other. Like, yes, she was for this, yes, she was for that, but the good that she did for the communities all doesn't outweigh it, but it's like it does you need to acknowledge it. And it's always it's always important to acknowledge that there was definitely wrongs back then. Oh, and just just about every um, historical figure has skeletons. Oh yeah. Um because so, like there's you know society now yeah. is very different than yeah. society back then and I'm I'm looking it up, guys. She's looking it up specifically just to double check. Hundred percent. That you touched. That you touched on briefly. Yes. But um. But I wanted to bring up is uh, the idea of sideshow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because um, so I am a I have done a lot of research into circus studies. I am an acrobat myself. I've been an acrobat for the past fifteen years. I've done a lot of a lot of research into what does sideshow mean? What was circus back in these different times? and how circus influenced the modern day. Um, I, I like academia and I like circus. So, um, Go for it. <laughs> uh, lot of, and a lot of times with, when we think of the, when we think of sideshow and we start thinking of the exploitative nature of sideshow, we look at it through a very modern lens and we don't realize that for these people who were approached and it was a very small amount of people who were approached and put into sideshow, into sideshows, very small compared to the rest of the population. This was a way for these people to make money. This was a way for their families to prosper. This was a way that if they were, uh, there were some some people who were like, okay, well, it's either this or a poorhouse. So they chose. So there was a lot of empowerment for people with disabilities through sideshow because it was the only way. Yes. Which is really nice about that. And then some of the benefits of sideshows is we get actually prenatal care thanks to the sideshows. Because there in um, Coney Island, there was a sideshow that was, um, that a doctor uh, invented a whole bunch of incubators and, and brought a lot of premature children and put them in incubators and sold people like tickets to come see these premature children. Oh, I remember that. The incubator. Yeah, and, oh, yeah. and so, so these children actually who would have died were, uh, were able to actually live and thrive and live full adult lives because of circus sideshow. So it's, yeah. it's easy to take a modern lens and go, oh, so exploitative, there's poor people, there's poor people. Oh, definitely not. But and it's like, it's actually was very empowering. P.T. Barnum, was an asshole. <laughs> he was. I just want to say that right now to get out of the way. He was a bad, bad man. Um, but there were also a lot of other. There were a lot of other circuses that actually did take amazingly good care of their sideshows. And um, to fast forward a little bit of his, in, into history, a little bit too, within circus and sideshow, that's where a lot of circuses during World War II hid their German performers 
in their circuses okay. from Mapsy's rule. So, because we do have. I figured while there was technical difficulties yeah. going on, we got it. We got it. Thank you. We, we did. So, um, like radicals and conservatives of her time, Helen Keller fully supported the policies of eugenic uh, of the eugenic and euthanasia movements, arguing that disabled children's lives should not be sustained. So you are 100% correct. Well, Thank she did you. do a lot for certain rights. She also was very much a radical in the opposite direction as well. So, yeah. Good person. Also, not so much. <laughs> so, thank and you for that. Thank you for pointing that out. We're going to include that in our in our note, in our side notes as well. And yeah, no, please like if there's also for anybody that wants to talk and like think that's one of our favorite things about this it panel is, is having people talk about their own knowledge that they have about history and everything else when it comes to disabilities, it, it's helpful because we don't know everything. We're learning. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, uh, okay, fun. fun's a horrible <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know about that. Yeah, I, <laughs> but it's really important for us to see the ugliness of our past so that we have a good idea of where we are now and where we need to be in our future. And. Um, Going specifically back to um, the sterilization, you guys both. Yeah. Don't know who you are behind your hair. I love your hair. Um, specifically, uh, there was also the fact that um, a guardian could take away the rights of a disabled person and have them ster sterilized against their will. So it wasn't always voluntarily done. One of the to the other. So it was like a mixed bag of what was going on underneath. And uh, California specifically had the most euthanizations and it actually, unfortunately, influenced uh, Germany to start their euthanasia program. Eugenics. Eugenics program. Yeah. Yeah. Eugenics. Um, and that, All that things. leads us kind of like, and we're gonna go backwards instead because like that gets way <laughs> up. But well, I do want to add that little tidbit that uh, yeah, they, they specifically quote that California did influence their choices. So. Yeah. So, but for for as much as we're looking at the Victorian era and saying okay, these were good, these were things that led to good paradigm shifts. There's even to, throughout today, which is why we're still. Um, which is why we feel our community is so important. We're still very much fighting, you know, that that worse outlook of you're not contributing to society. Why should you be cared for? Or how can we help you? How can we support you to live a full, you know, and 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 meaningful life? Um, uh, hello. Nap time, everybody. I mean, we have a good twenty minutes. So. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Those dragons in their dark lairs. I guess so. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, she has a lot of dark colored layers. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely fine. Um, I was just like, oh, is there a storm outside right now, you guys? Power out. We like the smog. The smog's good. Um, but yeah, the, this this panel more more than anything is is to. Help everybody kind of learn what was going on a little on bit about what started then, which was very severe, to where there still needs to be changes now. Yeah, and things still need to be done now to fix basically 
Oh, jeez, my brain is still horrible. I mean, I mean, the general direction where you're going. I mean, to, to keep fair. improving society so that uh, those with disabilities and mental disabilities are able to, you know, join and be treated equally. Yeah. I think I got it, guys. I think you got it. I think you got it. Um, I, I swear I was going somewhere. I promise. Uh, so you you actually talked about about sideshows, um, which is a big you know big part of the Victorian era. Here's here's something. Um, ugly clubs. Ugly clubs. Ugly clubs and ugly laws in the Victorian era. The Victorian era actually had laws where ugly people could not be present on the main streets. There were areas that you could go. Which you were not allowed on the main streets. Um, and of course, you have rich people with ugly kids, right? And so they, they formed ugly clubs. Um, and it was mostly, you know, rich, posh people with unsightly big noses or weak chins or, you know, not the form of beauty at the time, which ironically enough, their their idea of beauty was death. Um, <laughs> death. <laughs> death. Ultimate. If you, death. if you looked close to death, you were gorgeous. Nobody wanted to tan. They wanted to see your veins. Um, or sneak in the face tanks. All right. <laughs> but, um, so... Something, something royal family. One surviving ugly club is the royal family. Oh, oh. so now we're in the car, humor guys. Go forward. Keep <laughs> um, going. Go, go, go. Um, so these these ugly clubs were actually they they wanted to be kind of like the Diogenes Club, where they were you know these these high they were all high society men, no women. No people who weren't in high society, who who kind of built up these these hierarchies. So whoever could could um, basically puff up the chest the most. So the one who was the most verbose, the one who was the most vivacious, the one who could talk everybody else down, was the leader of the club. Um, and they wanted to make political decisions. The unfortunate part about that, because they, you know, they were in families of higher standing, so they felt they should be able to make these political decisions. The unfortunate part about that is a lot of them were temperamental at best. Oh boy. They had, so they were a mixture of spoiled and, uh, you know, that slim sliver of disabled where they were kind of laughed at. So they ended up being just a laughing stock all the time. Whenever they tried to do something of any sort of political standing, it got in the papers in the worst possible way. So basically, it just kind of fell through and nothing changed with that and specific. Everybody just kind of laughed at them. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so you created this ugly club for your spoiled selves. Cool. Now you want to make, you know, decisions and you want to make movements. Cool. And now you're being laughed at. I just, I so many emotions. So many emotions. Your emotions or their emotions? Are you going to talk about that one? When the popular thing was the tour of the crazies? Uh, I did not know of this. A bit more money we haven't, them fight. we haven't come across that in our research oh, yet. Yeah. Would you like to come here and talk because nobody can hear you? Uh, no, you can do what I said. Not right now. 
bedlam. Okay, bedlam. so there's bedlam. there's there's a the term crazies that I'm going to look up. Um, apparently. Also, this is the last like ten to twenty minutes. We advise everybody to get their own information because it is a learning thing. So if you guys have anything you would like to say, please raise your hand. Please do so. Three. That's why. Yeah, I chat. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Huh? I'm trying to think the right name for Bedlam. Right name for Bedlam? Yeah. It was an asylum. Yeah. Oh. Bedlam okay. Hospital in a Bedlam bed? No, Bedlam. Because we only have one phone right now instead of our tablet usually, this is all like, hey, let's look this up while this is going horribly. <laughs> yes, Randy, uh, thank you for being our distraction. Why you that, um... In your research, did you uh, have you come across any of the uh, institutionalization of LGBTQ folk in the Victorian era for um, or the incarceration of LGBT um, folk in that era for their their preferences or their uh, idiosyncrasies, as they might be called, or their uh, there was a lot of in that in that time era. There's a lot of um, if you uh, well going into first. People thinking hysteria was a thing, yep. and uh, and a lot of times if women were too unruly, yeah. see, see, you had you had a wandering uterus oh. because, oh. and that's what hysteria actually was yeah. is considered medically what it was considered to be was a wandering uterus. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, and so it caused term. you to go crazy, and yeah. to control your wandering uterus, you had to be institutionalized and put away because. Oh no, I enjoy sex. How dare. Uh, there's also, um, either for uh, for gay men in that time era, if you were if you were caught being a homosexual, you were either imprisoned. Um, Oscar Wilde served many years of hard labor uh, for for homosexuality. Or another aspect you could have been, especially for um, if you were gay or if you were especially trans, um, was institutionalization. You were thought to be mentally ill, and there was no cure for you. So the only cure was to be put away. There were many poets and artists who ended up being put away um, when they started getting names for themselves in their careers because of the way they presented themselves, women who dressed as men, men who preferred to dress as women, or wrote poetry that women could relate to because they were writing with a woman's voice. Um, there were several poets who literally said, I feel more woman than man, therefore my poetry is for women. Uh, written from a woman's voice, and because they did that, they were incarcerated or or uh, told to stop. Some were under house arrest um, for for quite a while as well. Um, that has gone on quite a bit. It, it's through history, yes, um, as well. If you've it's ever not specific to Victoria, no, 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 not but it was very prevalent during that time. But it was very prevalent during that time, um, and and through that, um, all the way into quite prevalently. World War Two or World War One? World War One. Well, it wasn't until the '80s where homosexuality uh, uh, was taken out of the DSM five as a mental illness, yeah. and it wasn't until the '90s where um, trans, uh, where tra or transgender, <coughs> transgender, transgenderism—it was called transsexuality back then. We don't use that language anymore. Was taken out. Was taken out in the '90s as a mental illness. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you for your information. Um, Alan Turing is a very good example of how 
how England felt about homosexuality, even though that's not specific to the Victorian era, um, they, they, they ruined him physically and mentally because he was gay, because he was homosexual. Um, and it wasn't until much, much later that those charges were removed from him post-mortem. Um, that was very, very recent as well, if I remember correctly. Um, but a good, a good film uh, that references it quite well is The Imitation Game. Um, they did a very, very good representation of him, his orientation, and how he was treated because of it, while not taking focus away from what he did for us historically. So I think they did a really good job with that film. Do we have any other comments or questions? Well, yeah. comments on the, the modern eaters thing, that's a very Freudian sort of perspective. It was Freud's Extreme. point, that term, I yeah. think. Yes. And the thing that's interesting about that is that because Freud was so interested in like psychology, he's considered the father of modern psychology. So that, like, Marianne is really interesting because there's actually a very large overlap of the early diagnosis of personality disorders, particularly bipolar and, mm. and borderline. And this idea that all women are hysterical because yeah. a lot of the time these traits that were revealed like loved in men the hysterical-ness was any even if they had a personality disorder was so often without in women yes and that that is where that overlaps into feminism too i mean woo everything overlaps here um, but it's it's absolutely true. Um, it is it is an extremely Freudian um, term, um, and honestly, the guy was obsessed with sex. He just didn't want to admit it. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was that term? Penis envy. Oh yeah, yeah. There was that too. Uh huh. Okay, bud. Whatever. Um, t- <laughs> okay, we're going down that route. <laughs> I did do that already there. You know, we're talking about the dark stuff. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I'm the comedic relief. I got all my information out, unfortunately. <laughs> I also consider the fact that Freud was a writer on Coke most of the time. That's true. Freud was on Coke yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He was notoriously on Coke also. Yeah. A lot of the, um, there's a lot of the, also the use that, that Troy did against the patient as well. Yeah. That is, no, like, that's that's not not he was not on Iceman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it's again that overlap of historical significance, but also that, that, yeah. that yeah. bad side of that, of that yeah. human trait. Um, just like Helen Keller. Uh, yay! yay. <laughs> so. Oh, gosh, Henry yeah. Ford, he was awful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, uh, 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 you got the crown, bro. <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. We can run down American heroes for weeks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. Well, it's true, though. All right. Do we have any more comments or questions? We got nothing? Okay. And that's okay. That's okay, too. Yeah. Like, this is, yeah, studying disabilities in the Victorian era is kind of massive. It's very massive. So any period of history beforehand. This is um, so it's a lot to cover. There's probably going to be multiple panels on multiple different Probably stuff at some point. In the future. Right now we're doing generalization as well as, like, having a wonderful audience. Audience members. I'm trying to point at you and her, but like, <laughs> people get more information that we can, like, you know, note down and be like, hey, next time we can say this as well. 
as well as you know do our own research during the panels because we do have people who will like ask questions and we'll be able to look them up and hey research for you while you're here yes so yeah absolutely um so and we're just working with the resources that that, that we can get to because actually there we go that reminded me um with sterilization in the 1920s uh it's actually perceived that there is many more sterilization because a lot of those files were locked down after it happened so they are not sure how many people were actually sterilized that's a that's kind of like a public dark secret kind of thing where they oh, know, know there's a bunch of files that are locked down and they won't release them but it's but it's known that they've locked a bunch of them down so we know that the numbers that we have are somewhat inaccurate um and there's the 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 etymology of, of who they sterilized yeah yeah it goes pretty much if you weren't a white cis male who was probably in the medium class slash higher class you had a chance of being sterilized yeah huzzah, huzzah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great timing. again i have words but they're We're not. They're not appropriate right here. Not allowed right now. Um. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, you get to. <laughs> yeah. To 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 follow up though on on your question about bedlam. Unfortunately, by doing just a generalized search, I could not find it. I'm gonna have to do. We're gonna have to do more pinpoint research. Yeah, it was, um, I think it's somebody's a, a subgroup. Yeah. 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 Or Bedlam Royal Hospital. Or Bedlam Royal, Bedlam Royal Hospital. See, that popped up, but it didn't have anything specific to the way that I it's searched it. Show. So we'll do more research for that. And if we find anything, when we find interesting yeah. things, we will also link that. So there's going to be like a flood of links, links after this after weekend. This, yes. After, um, after this weekend, because we're going to be around all weekend. Yeah. Just wandering. We don't have any more panels. We, don't, we don't have any more panels. Uh, if you would like to like follow us we have we did the, we did the sandwich plug at the beginning that we have a facebook group we also have a facebook page uh if you want cards she has them if you want a qr code to scan we have them right here um if nothing assigned to you you guys are here for information we don't want you to no no forcing <laughs> no only as you please only as you please um but otherwise if there's no more comments or questions you're free thank you so much for being here Thank you for coming, and thanks a lot to stick through dark things. Oh, dark things. Dark things. <laughs> we have dark friends now. <laughs> we're all dark, dark friends. Things. We were all in the dark, the dark together. <laughs> the dark we made it through the dark times and came back to the light. We're going to end up with a secret handshake. <laughs> Enjoy the dark times. The that shows up in the chat. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. If you enjoyed our show, please check out D&D Journey of the 5th Edition and Ragnarok and roll a Scion Hero to Ragnarok Story. Also, check out our Patreon page for more content and behind-the-scenes things, as well as joining us for a one-shot game or two.